1: Illinois, along with the rest of the world, is trying to recover from a pandemic that's been like nothing most of us have seen in our lifetimes, and it's forced many of us to think of health and health care in a new light. Well, this weekend, we're going to shine that light on lessons we should have learned or need to learn about life in a time of COVID and about the intersection of government and medicine. Our guide will be the head of the Illinois State Medical Society. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. probably thought they were thinking and talking a lot about health care back when the Affordable Care Act was being debated in Congress or challenged or challenged again. But the coronavirus pandemic has set a new standard for keeping our health and health care professionals top of mind. And in Springfield, health-related bills got extra attention, all things considered. Uh, we're going to try to touch on a number of these things with Dr. J. Regan Thomas, the new president of the Illinois State Medical Society. Dr. Thomas is an otolaryngologist. Uh, Simply put, I'm not oversimplifying, he's an ENT, an ear, nose, and throat specialist. He's on the faculty of Northwestern's Feinberg School of Medicine, where he teaches head and neck surgery. His specialty in practice is facial plastic surgery. And now he's the leader of an organization, a leading organization, in fact, representing physicians across the state. We are social distancing still. This interview is being conducted via Zoom conferencing. Dr. Regan Thomas, welcome. Well, thank you very
0: much. I appreciate it, Craig. Good to talk to you.
1: Likewise. Well, let's first talk a little bit about your specialty because I think most people's knowledge of plastic surgery is uh, probably itself skin deep, but you deal with not just cosmetic surgery, but other things like scars. And why is that a separate thing?
0: Yes. Well, so I am what most people refer to as a plastic and reconstructive surgery, facial plastic and reconstructive surgery, which as you indicated is a subspecialty under otolaryngology head and neck surgery specialty. So I'm actually double boarded in American board of otolaryngology head and neck surgery and the American board of facial plastic and reconstructive surgery. So my practice and indeed my activities at Northwestern are really based on facial plastic surgery. So as you suggest, That does include things that are of aesthetic or cosmetic nature, uh, such as facelifts and rhinoplasty and that sort of thing. But also there is a reconstructive component. And so the two key areas that I work on in terms of reconstruction are, uh, one, work often with my dermatology colleagues and repairing skin cancer removal and that sort of thing, facial defects. Uh, and repairing those after people have had to have, for example, skin cancer removed. And also then as you suggest, there are facial scar areas there. So once you have a scar, you can never get rid of it, get not erase it, but you can typically make scars better and less noticeable. So that's part of my practice. And I oversee that at uh, Northwestern uh, uh, there. So things like from car wrecks and dog bites and other kinds of things that create scars. And things that perhaps if it was on your back or your shoulder, you wouldn't pay attention to, but on your face, it interacts with our social interaction and our self-image and so on. So it's an important area and one that I enjoy helping our patients with there along with that. So I often say I make my living doing facelifts in those jobs, but uh, my favorite thing, if you ask me, is really helping with that facial scar uh, correction here.
1: Yeah, I can I can understand that. And now, uh, in 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 service to your fellow physicians, you are leading the uh, medical society uh, for a while. And what's your goal for that organization?
0: Yeah. So, as pre- the new president of the uh, Illinois Society of of Physicians uh, here uh, and uh, the Illinois State Medical Society, uh, I'm been active in that group, but uh, very pleased and proud to have been elected president uh, here this past uh, year. So my goal there is really uh, in a number of areas, but particularly with the COVID and that sort of thing, to make sure that uh, our patient population throughout Illinois knows that they can interact uh, with their Illinois physicians for the best of care and to keep our physicians online with all the things they need to be doing to be up to date and so on. We also have had a very Uh, exciting, uh, challenging perhaps, but exciting year uh, with the legislature. And as you suggested earlier, uh, we've been very active with the legislature in a number of areas. And I think uh, to the positive side of it, uh, we are seeing the legislature being very oriented towards uh, medical uh, kinds of issues and healthcare issues there. So that's been exciting. And I've been pleased uh, to be able to help Uh, oversee and lead that uh, in our efforts to uh, enhance the things that we're doing on a government basis uh, for uh, the patients uh, and citizens of Illinois.
1: Well, let me uh, talk about some of those things that happened in Springfield, because one of the things, as you say, the uh, State Medical Society uh, does is is essentially lobby for bills that it would like to see approved by the General Assembly, and a number were this spring. One had the obscure title of the Prior Authorization Reform Act, but uh, (laughs) I I understand that was a big win. What is it, and why should everyday healthcare consumers care?
0: Well, as is often the case, things coming out of Springfield or Washington DC sound somewhat confusing if you listen to them, but Prior Authorization Reform Act, uh, and if you're watching that sort of thing, I think it was Bill 711, Uh, came through. And it was really a top priority for the Illinois State Medical Society. Uh, If you've been a a patient, you may know the the frustration and sometimes the pain of what's called prior authorization, meaning if your doctor recommends a treatment, uh, your insurance has to authorize that for it to be covered. And the problem, uh, the major problem with what was going on previously is that often that would take a very long time. Often the uh, insurance company would postpone that. And so, you know, for example, if an oncologist, a cancer doctor recommended uh, a treatment for a cancer patient, uh, they might have to endure several weeks of delays before they could start their treatment. The other aspect of that that we worked on and I think have corrected here coming up is that sometimes it would be not denied by people evaluating it for the insurance side uh, who were not experts in the area, really uh, were not trained to, to make those decisions uh, I've had that happen a couple of times. For example, uh, there's something called alar batten grafts, which uh, there are some people whose noses are soft enough that when they inhale, their nose collapses and it obstructs their breathing. And so there's uh, cartilage grafting that we can do to strengthen the, the outside walls of the nose so they don't collapse. So I had two events I remember specifically where that was turned down for the patients and their insurance company said, no, this is, cosmetic, and I had to argue with them saying, no, it's not for appearance, it's for breathing and function. And finally, luckily for my patients, got those through eventually, but it delayed it for weeks at a time, and so often that uh, happens. So with the coalition with other healthcare groups, uh, as you're asking me about, we uh, began to, to pursue the Prior Authorization Reform Act, and it's a, a big uh, uh, win for patients in Illinois, and I was proud to say that it passed unanimously through both the House and and Senate. What it does is establishes maximum timelines for this authorization or prior authorization requests. So for urgent medical services, things that need to be done right away, the decisions have to be made within 48 hours. Uh, For non-urgent things, things that could be postponed a little bit, but should still be within five calendar days, not five weeks. Uh, with that and this is like say a a major issue we found that in a survey with our doctors about 95 percent had had these problematic issues uh, with their patients so also in terms of the evaluation of this authorization it needs to be done with what's called peer-to-peer review meaning that people with experience treating and managing patients with that specific disease or condition uh, have to be making that decision So you wouldn't say that uh, this should happen, but, you know, if your surgery is approved, then sometimes also you need prior authorization for anesthesia. And so you got it approved for the surgery, then you had to wait for anesthesia. So that's been uh, done away with under this uh, bill. So uh, important areas here. So all of this is at uh, uh, Governor Pritzker's desk at this point. We're urging him to uh, sign this bill into law to protect the health of individuals. And so we aren't waiting for this and we do it under reasonable times and with uh, knowledgeable individuals making those decisions for our patients.
1: Yeah, what experience I, what experience that I do have with uh, springfield um, uh, a, 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 a unanimous vote usually is a pretty good signal <laughs> that the governor will go along but <laughs> but you I, never know.
0: I, I hope that's true and to their credit, the legislature, both houses, I think really looked into this and had a, a good understanding of the problems and issues that it caused. Uh, I had a couple people off the record tell me that had happened to them, indeed, uh, working with their own doctors. So I think it brought that enlightenment uh, to the group there. And so, uh, you know, we were glad to get it through. And hopefully, any time now, the governor will sign it. Once Governor Prisker uh, does sign it, then officially, it would go into effect as of January first, and then. Um, be, you know, on the records from from that point on.
1: Now, let's talk about another bill that was approved. Uh, If people are following the numbers, uh, uh, and not not, most people don't, but uh, but the ones who are watching Springfield do, House Bill 3308 uh, would approve, uh, was approved to expand telehealth services. uh, And that is something that became uh, very prominent during COVID because people uh, frankly, were uh, afraid or frankly unable to uh, see their doctors, and I assume this not only expands telehealth services but also how insurance is able to cover it. So, what is the uh, what is the win for the uh, healthcare providers and patients in this bill? Well,
0: I think it's it's certainly a great win for everybody involved to be able to utilize telehealth. You know, it's it's a new world now. Nobody was using telehealth. Uh, certainly not a decade ago, but being able to interact with your physician, uh, you know, and healthcare professionals uh, digitally or online and so on uh, is something that, you know, is part of today's world and and life. Unfortunately, uh, until recently, often that would not be covered by uh, your insurance and so on here. And so it was a problem, although I think everybody understands that's probably going to grow more and more that we'll be utilizing that. Where COVID came in is that because of that, people were not able to get in or didn't feel comfortable traveling or being in environments where they might be exposed to other people. And so it made it even more of a pressure to interact uh, with your your doctor. And more of the doctors began to utilize it from their end of telehealth to be able to have access uh, uh, to that. As you suggested uh, prior to uh, doing this, here, and prior to COVID uh, activities here, the the Illinois State Medical Society had been advocating for it, but, uh, you know, it was not happening everywhere. So, uh, it was being underused. Telemedicine uh, was being underused, probably, and most insurance uh, did not cover it. So, to his credit, Governor Prisker, at the onset of the pandemic, very early on, uh, took executive action uh, suspending some of the rules that blocked telemedicine and allowed that to be able to to happen more and more. And with that, more individuals, both from the patient side, as well as the doctor's offices began to use that. So almost overnight, we went from a very fairly what I would call limited use of telemedicine uh, to really thousands of people uh, using uh, patient physician encounters uh, on this digital telemedicine area. So it's been a tremendous success and very important. Uh, The catalyst, again, was the need to do it because of Of uh, COVID uh, here. Uh, You know, in my situation, again, where I'm taking care of other things, but you had mentioned about scar revision. And, you know, I've had uh, two people that I can, that come to mind right away who had scars. They were very concerned about it, but felt uncomfortable and unable to travel from more distant areas, again, into Chicago and Northwestern to see me. And so we established it on telehealth. I was able to visualize and see them and talk to them about the scars and tell them, yes that's something we can, can uh, correct for you and improve for you and what kinds of things go on. And they're all able to do that uh, from home. So this just this week, the governor reissued an executive order to extend telehealth coverage. Uh, that officially goes on through July 24th. But we're hoping if we get this through the legislature, that it is a, a recognized thing overall, that uh, we won't need a further extension, uh, because that'll be uh, you know a mainstay for uh, we all do this, and the insurance uh, uh, people beginning to do that. So, things in the bill specifically that you mentioned uh, there—that uh, it provides a permanent telehealth payment for uh, other areas, including uh, uh, payment uh, parity for behavioral health uh, as well, you know, mental uh, issues. Uh, the insurance were uh, fighting against this. Insurance groups are against this, but I think it's going to be going through. So. Uh, Things that it does, it prohibits uh, geographic or facility restrictions on telehealth, meaning that they can do it from their own home. You don't have to go to a center or anything to do it. You can can contact your physician at home. Uh, It protects uh, uh, patients uh, in terms of you don't have to have an in-person encounter with your doctor. It gets covered that way. Um, and also permission for that there was something for a while they were using a separate panel providers you couldn't contact your own doctor you had to go through telehealth to a specific group that had been approved and that's gone now and that not required to use a separate panel you can talk to your own uh, own doctor here and all those kinds of things so uh because of all this uh we want to make sure we're not getting away from in-person activities and aren't leaning too much on what I've been calling too much of a good thing. But that being said, uh, the bill requires the Departments of Insurance and Public uh, Health to study telehealth and how to best use it and so on uh, here. And I think we'll see more and more of that all the time with appropriate coverage of healthcare just as though you were going in person. And you Uh,
1: raised the issue that I wanted to uh, raise and that is about the temptation to do more of this than perhaps doctors should. You, you can see more patients if you, if you could go from one TV screen to another. And, and how do you keep medicine from becoming that impersonal or, or more of an assembly line? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, and what, are the, what are the things that the medical professionals have to keep in mind or, or avoid?
0: Well, I think two areas there. First of all, there are some things that are not uh, well done on telehealth, uh, uh, telemedicine here. Uh, for example, that comes to mind, I know some of my dermatology, skincare colleagues, they really, you know, can't see as uh, uh, we could do in person, uh, things going on in the skin and texture and color and so on, things that they need to do to evaluate those areas. And so those are things that you would need to tell the individual, we need to see you in person. We can't cover and discuss that by uh, telemedicine. So there are some issues and areas that still need to be seen, obviously, personally. I talked about my own uh, situation, so I can, can guide patients along, tell them what's available, but to really make final decisions before surgical procedures, I need to see them in person. So there is that balance. I think you are, you are also correct that you need to go through in terms of insurance coverage and billing and all that and make sure it doesn't become uh, just you know, overdone. Uh, that all those same criteria that you would be utilizing with a person-to-person evaluation and, and discussion and so on, that those are done through telehealth and uh, that it's not just to run you through as quickly as possible and see on the screen and, and move on. And so I think it's a useful tool. It's one that's going to be uh, much more prevalent uh, in the coming months and years. That being said, it's not going to replace the importance and, and critical aspects of face to face interaction with your physician and, and doctor. You're listening
1: to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. My guest is Dr. Jay Regan Thomas. He is president of the Illinois State Medical Society, and we are recording this interview via Zoom. Uh, let me quickly ask you about one bill that Governor Pritzker has actually signed that the uh, ISMS opposed. It's uh, Senate Bill 72, known as the Pre-Judgment Interest Bill. It would allow plaintiffs in personal injury and wrongful death lawsuits to collect interest against the defendants from the time the lawsuit is filed and not just from the time when a judgment is entered. Why is that a bad thing?
0: Well, it's a bad thing in terms of it costs more money for those involved. And so what has happened here is if there is a malpractice situation, rather than the amount of money being decided at the time of judgment, if there is a positive judgment that is going to require coverage, they uh, also are adding on interest from back at the time when it was filed. And that may take several years. And so it adds more and more uh, amount of money and thus it means that the physicians uh, ostensibly their malpractice insurance costs are going to go up and be elevated. That gets translated into patient fees or how much it costs to cover the overhead of doing the practice of medicine. So really pretty negative in terms of elevating all of those costs for medical care and for the physicians and for physicians insurance and and so on with that. Uh, The uh, the trial lawyers uh, like the idea because it gets them more money <laughs> uh, with that. And actually, uh, what we did uh, was able to do is to lower that percentage from what the original suggestion was and down to a smaller percentage. But unfortunately, from our perspective, it went through. We are going to continue to work uh, uh, through the appropriate individuals and in, in terms of the legislature and governor's office and so on to make them understand why this is problematic. Because ultimately, all of those increased costs and so on, it translated into all of us as patients as well, and we'd like to eliminate that. So we're going to keep on working uh, along with a number of other uh, healthcare uh, organizations uh, here to see if we can, uh, you know, overcome this at this point. But uh, it's uh, right at this point that that is uh, has been established.
1: And uh, well, and we will keep following that, but I wanna in the time that we have left to talk a little bit about us recovering from the pandemic. And I know one of the things that you're very interested in is reminding people to go visit their doctors, forget, (laughs) telehealth aside, uh, that you need to catch up with things that you might have let slide during 2020.
0: Yes, uh, absolutely. Well, I think all of us, uh, including those of us who normally would be seeing the the doctor on a regular or routine basis and so on, we've backed off from that. We've stayed home, we don't wanna be out appropriately out in the COVID world and so on. But but the point being here is that you still need to see your doctors uh, here at this point. So get back into your uh, routines of getting your annual checkup and screenings and and other types of vaccinations, including making sure that you get your COVID-19 shot if you haven't already seen that. And I want to emphasize that, that the the cases that you're hearing about now and the things like with the Delta variant coming out and people dying from that even, that those tend to be in, those are in unvaccinated people. Those are the people who are getting sick now who have not had those vaccinations. So go see your doctor. And now some of the changes are many physicians' offices are now offering the shot. You don't have to go to a big Central area. You know, you don't have to go to the convention center or those kinds of things to get your shot. Many of your uh, your personal physicians are giving shots now, so you can give that COVID shot. At the same time, don't forget, we need the other rest of the remainder of healthcare to continue. And so remember, you need to get your flu shot this fall uh, to get your other checkups and other vaccinations and other screenings, things that you normally would do, and get back up to your normal routine, because now, particularly if you had the COVID shot, it's safer. I might add, I get asked every now and then, well, how about would I get exposed to COVID if I went to the doctor's office or the medical area? But I think in Illinois, we took a survey, I think well over 96, 97% of the doctors have been vaccinated for that and their staffs and so on. So it's a safe environment to be, and you should be there getting back, uh, uh, checking with your primary care doctor and so on about, getting those shots, including, be sure to get your COVID shot. I believe if I have the figure right, I think there are about 25 million people here uh, have died from COVID, and, but those are people who've not been vaccinated. And so to protect yourself uh, here in Chicago and in Illinois, you wanna get out there and get that shot and, and call your physician. Uh, you know, it's important to find out where you can get those vaccinations. You can find out from your, uh, from your physician's office uh, you can find out uh, a number of places on um, uh, where to get information online, and there are a number of those. Uh, you know, if you just get online, the, the Illinois State Medical Society, it gives you contact numbers uh, with that, or uh, some of the other websites uh, that we know, two great places are the, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC that you hear about all the time, you can get online with cdc.gov, G-O-V, or the National Institute of Health, NIH, you hear about a lot with all of this. You can get online and check with them at NIH.gov with that. But find out, you know, I would say the easiest from my perspective, call your personal physician, your personal doctor. Are they giving the COVID shots? As well as, hey, get you back in for your routine examinations. And if they are not, they can help you find a place. Or as we just mentioned, there are a number of areas online where we can find out about that.
1: And you still have people who are uh, hesitant to get the, uh, the vaccine. And part of that, and this is the last thing I wanna talk about, is that there's so much, uh, some of us would call it noise, but there is so much information, opinion, and misinformation all mixed together on social media, online, frankly, even on television networks. And how do people know what to believe? Uh, So much of what we were hearing were dueling, I won't say dueling doctors, it wasn't always doctors, although sometimes it was, and people really got their backs up on one side or the other on issues that under normal circumstances
0: there wouldn't have been a matter of picking sides. What do people do? Well, I think uh, the key here is, and as I think all of us are becoming more aware, you can't believe everything you read on Facebook, or you can't believe everything you see on social media here with that. And so once again, I would encourage people, if they have questions, to deal with their primary physician, to, to talk to their primary care physician, to call literally just call the office and interact with them and ask those questions and find out about it. And then there are, as I was just mentioning, a number, uh, if you want to do look online, there are a number of... I think, solid areas there where you can find out information and make contact. But for me, I think the best thing is to uh, call your personal physician and get that information uh, directly uh, from them.
1: But now let me ask, though, are physicians themselves always keeping up with the latest information that they, they need, or at least are the majority of them keeping up as well as they should?
0: Yeah, I think the majority indeed are. You know, that's full of all of our information that we're getting from our various specialty uh, groups and and so on. And indeed, uh, you know, with the Illinois State Medical Society, uh, we are providing information to our members, which is the majority of Illinois physicians. Uh, uh, keeping them updated and what's going on, what are new aspects, what things should they be checking on, what areas can they be providing uh, for their patients uh, with that. And so the the state medical society is actively working in that direction as well. So don't read the Facebook uh, for your main information, contact your appropriate health professionals. And uh, when you're talking with your patients, are
1: you finding that people are settling into getting their information from good places, or are you still hearing people who are really hanging on the the most extreme (laughs) stuff?
0: Yeah, you hear, you know, it's my impression uh, in terms of my own uh, practice and patients I'm seeing on an everyday basis that more and more people are doing the appropriate steps and taking appropriate steps. Absolutely, from time to time, you know, Aunt Martha or Uncle Ben or somebody tells you you should do this and and what you should be doing. And, uh, you know, you you can't always recommend uh, hearing, listening from your extended family. And again, I would say if you have any questions, contact your your private physician, your personal physician for that best information with that. So I see a few people, as you suggested, uh, occasionally are thinking, well, I saw something about it. And I try to encourage them, no, the science is there. People who are getting the vaccination are the best protected. People who are getting ill with that and including serious illness typically are individuals who have not had the vaccination and not followed those rules. So I think more and more people are are, uh, understanding that and making use of that source of information. And we certainly encourage them in terms of instructing our physicians, the State Medical Society, along with other medical groups, is making sure that all of our membership as physicians are being up to date and doing the best they can with that.
1: And that is Illinois State Medical Society President, Dr. Regan Thomas. Thank you so much for uh, spending this half hour with us. Uh, To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There should be a link a little way down the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on odyssey.com. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Uh, We will be back next week with another edition of That Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.